Good morning, Rise Church. How you guys doing? Yeah, all right. It is good to be here. Welcome if you're online. I'm so glad you guys are here. If you think this is a lot of snow, does anybody remember back October 25th, this date in 1997? Yeah, did you know, remember the blizzard of 97? Anybody who was a Colorado? There's a few of you. Raise your hands proudly. Yes, three feet of snow we got in Colorado Springs. I remember it vividly because I spent the night at my friend's house and tried to walk home. And it was the longest walk home of my life, walking through three feet of snow. It was good. Well, I'm glad you guys are here. Um, before we uh, jump into the message, I did just want to have a time of prayer um, for those affected by COVID and also uh, by the fires. Um, Lord God, let's, let's pray. Um, Lord God, we just turn to you right now. We look to you and we just ask that you would be with those. We know that there's people struggling, even someone connected with our church right now who's in the ICU on a ventilator with COVID. Lord God, we pray for healing for that young man. We pray for healing that he could be back and we pray for all those affected, Lord. We, we pray for an end to this virus, for protection, for a vaccine or whatever treatments it would take that we could get past this pandemic. I pray for healing. We also pray for those affected by the fires here in Colorado. It's been a rough year. I think especially the family of my friend who lost their entire business uh, over the weekend because of the fires. Lord God, we pray that you provide for them, that you give them hope and strength and for all those who have left home and valuables that you would use this opportunity to draw people to yourself. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, I'm so glad that you guys are here. And if you're online, we love you. If you're here in person, we love you. I love you guys. And I just want to say, last week, I did a funeral here. I did a wedding. And we had six child dedications. Okay, so it was, it was a big weekend for me as a pastor. And I just have to say, it's my privilege to serve as your pastor. I love you guys. Thank you for allowing me to be your pastor. I just needed to say that. Get that out of the way. So thank you guys for allowing me to be in those, like, the beginning, the middle, and the end of life, right? That's, you know, God is a part of all of that, and we just love that we can be a part of it. I love that I can be a part of your lives that way. Thanks, Dave. Um, yeah, and we are going to continue our series uh, now uh, in at our core. We have this week and one more week in the series, and you saw the video for the series coming up after that. Untangled starting November 8th. Next week we're going to be here in the building November 1st with two service times, 9 and 1045. So some of you, if you have kids sleeping at 9 a.m. and you're like, oh my gosh, it's been so hard to come to 9 a.m., please come back. Make sure your RCPs through the month of October that you guys, I'm sorry, month of November that you guys can do that as well. And, And today we're going to talk about passionate worship. Passionate worship. Now I saw a photo this week, one of the memes that was going around on social media. Perhaps you saw it. As well, if we can put this picture up here, it's kind of a a grainy footage of a restaurant people eating, and it says, an old photo of people eating in a restaurant. Photo was taken in 2019 B.C., before Corona, okay? It looks like such an old photo to see that, right? I I was watching TV this week, and there was like a restaurant scene, and it was just packed with people, and I'm like, oh my gosh, shouldn't they be wearing masks? Anybody else done that? Okay, you said that, or or you see like uh, old concert footage, and you're like, oh my gosh, how could people do that? And we wonder, will we ever get back to that? You know, there was an article in The Atlantic uh, at the beginning of the pandemic with uh, Dave Grohl, you know, the lead singer for Foo Fighters, you know, the old drummer for Nirvana. And Dave Grohl in it was talking and he said, you know, are we ever going to get back to people together? And he says, well, we have to. And one of the language he used in this thing was talking about how when we come together to sing, even just at a concert, secular music, Foo Fighters, right? He's like, we, we are basically making a sonic cathedral. That was the phrase he used. A sonic cathedral as we're all singing arm in arm at the top of our lungs. 
And this is what he said at the end of that article. He said, I don't know when it will be safe to return to singing arm in arm at the top of our lungs. But I do know that we will do it again because we have to. It's not a choice. It's not a choice. We have to get together. We have to sing at the top of our lungs. And this is someone who's just talking about a concert. He's talking about secular music. And I think he's right. I think we have to. As human beings, we sing, right? It's almost just like something we have to sing. At the wedding last week, when people are dancing, they sing, right? At funerals, we sing. Okay, we, we sing when we're happy, we sing dancing in the kitchen sometimes, when we're cooking, we sing when we're in the car at the top of our lungs when our favorite song comes on. Anybody else do that? I've seen you. I'm watching you. We sing when we're happy, we sing when we're sad, we sing after a breakup, and some of those best songs ever written are after the breakup, right? We just sing and we have to. We, that's how we express ourselves. Now, when we're going to be talking about worship this week, it's much more than singing. It's much more than singing, but I think it represents a lot of what we mean when we say worship. When we sing, we're expressing vocally with our words what's going on inside of our heart. Now, some of you, if you're maybe new to faith or new to church or whatever, you're like, what, what is worship? Now, what we do in singing in our worship service, this is all, of course, worship. But in one sense, this is just rehearsal for worshiping the rest of the week. Okay, just like you would come to, to practice, like the band comes in Tuesday nights for rehearsal to get ready for this. We actually are, are in rehearsal right now, getting ready for the rest of our week so we can worship God. In Romans 12, 1, it says, your bodies are a living sacrifice. This is your true and proper worship. Your whole lives are worship. See, worship is something that comes in the heart and it's expressed towards something we admire, that we have affection for, that we love. So when people are like, well, I'm not religious, I don't worship, wrong, everyone worships. I'm not the first one to say this, uh, but it's been said before, is people that don't worship God actually worship anything and everything. It's true, everybody worships. Everybody worships something. They express their affection. Maybe it is for, for the Foo Fighters, for Dave Grohl when you're at that concert, singing at the top of your lungs, hands outstretched. Maybe it, it was last night at the World Series when you're pumping your fist. Go Dodgers, go Rays, right? Uh, you know, when, when you're for the sports team, maybe it's for a board game or a video game. You know, our affection goes out to these different things in our life. And when we realize that our heart is moved by something, that is worship. So when we're talking today about passionate worship, we're talking about a specific type of worship that we want to categorize and characterize our church, uh, a passionate worship through, for God through His Son, Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a specific type of worship, but I want you to all realize, even if you're saying, hey, I don't know if I believe in Jesus, I don't know if I follow him yet, you do worship something, so I hope that you will choose the right thing to worship, the right person to worship. So in this series, At Our Core, we've been looking at these seven different core values that we have as a church. Some of them are just updated language from some we've had for a long time. We had three lists of values, and we've kind of narrowed it down to these seven. A couple of them are new, but as we've been going through, I want to just review real quick some of the core values that we've gone over, and the first one was transformational teaching, that we teach God's Word accurately and relevantly to transform lives. The next one was vibrant community, and Sawyer taught us that we are real with each other to grow together. We're real with each other. We share the hard things in our life, right? We're authentic with each other, and that's how we grow together. And next, we talked about bold outreach, how we are boldly sent to seek and love the lost. We love people towards Jesus. The week after that, we talked about generous living, that we gladly give our time, talents, and treasures 
to serve God and one another. And last week, we talked about next-gen investment. Ariel and Sawyer did an incredible job teaching last week, didn't they? Can we give them applause? I think they did an incredible job that we prioritize families and the next generation to produce disciples who make disciples. You know, my daughter McKinley, uh, who's almost four, she's been going to now elevate kids now for several weeks, just kind of started, and she calls it ministry school. I don't know where she got that from, but I'm like, that is such a great name. She loves it. She can't wait to go to ministry school every Sunday. And I'm like, she's kind of right, because that's what we do. We equip you guys for ministry. It's not the staff or pastors that do ministry. We all do ministry, right? We're equipping you guys. So I love that she does that, because we invest in the next generation here. And today, our second to last core value is passionate worship, that we worship Jesus authentically to glorify God and captivate the unchurched. We Worship Jesus authentically to glorify God and captivate the unchurched. And that's what we're going to look at as we focus today on this message. Our main passage that we're going to look at is John chapter 4, verses 19 to 24. Um, but we're going to jump around to a couple others as well. Um, but, but this passionate worship, this passion, what is passionate worship and why do we think it's so important that we want it to be a value that we remember, we, we celebrate, that we, we really try to instill in our culture here? And it goes back to Jesus. In John 4:19, we read, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you, Jews, claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. So we're just diving into this story. This is a famous story of Jesus with a woman at the well. She was a Samaritan woman. She had all sorts. She had been through like five husbands. Okay, this is a, not not the you know the the most righteous woman at least in her day. People avoided her. She was out in the the middle of the day in the desert at the well, which was a terrible time to go to the well because it was very hot. But she was there by herself because she was an outcast. She was a Samaritan. She wasn't a Jew. Okay, God's people had been kind of separated out, the Jews and the Samaritans, and they had a huge theological debate over where to worship. This is a big d- debate, you know. Over the last 30 years, we've talked about the worship wars of do you sing from the hymnal or do you have a projector screen and, and songs. Okay, the worship wars of Jesus' day was do you worship in the temple in Jerusalem, in that location, or do you worship on this mountain, Mount Gerizim? And, and that was the big debate. The Jews said this way, the Samaritans said this way. It was a huge debate. Where do you worship? Because that's what really matters. Where, where, where? So when this woman is with Jesus and he's starting to get a little personal, she shifts the story and she says, hey, let's talk about a theological uh, battle that we have going on. Where are we supposed to worship? Where are we supposed to worship? And Jesus actually uses this opportunity to address worship in general. And in verse 21, this is how he responds to this woman. Woman. Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. The most fascinating thing about this verse is what Jesus says first. A time is coming. A time is coming. Why do I say that's the most interesting? Because the woman said, where do we worship? Now, a lot of people read this. Maybe you grew up in Sunday school. You've heard this passage before. You think, oh, Jesus is saying you can worship God anywhere. But that's not what he says. He says you're not going to worship neither in the temple nor on the mountain. He says a time is coming. She asks a where question, and he answers with a who. Okay? I'm going to get to this in just a second. He said now a time has come. A time is coming, and he's actually going to say uh, that it will come in just a second. 
Uh, time is coming and has now come. But, but the point is, okay, you guys were debating worship here or worship there. And he says, no, 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 no. It's a new time. It's not about where any longer. It's about who. It's about who. And what Jesus is going to explain a little bit later, and what we're gonna, we know through the whole New Testament, is that Jesus, and he says this in Matthew, he says that one greater than the temple is here. That's what Jesus says. To a people that worshipped in the temple, the Jews. That's, Jesus was a Jew. He worshipped in the temple, the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. He went there. That's where everyone worshipped. It was such a big deal. People would come from hundreds of miles away to come worship in the temple. That's where God's presence resided, right? That's where he lived. And yet Jesus said, one greater than the temple is here in Matthew 9, 28. You think the temple is important? No, no, no. One greater than the temple is here. And Jesus was talking about himself. Because do you know what a temple actually is? It's a place where God chooses to reside. And when Jesus came, God was there among them. God was there among them. Jesus in the flesh was God in the flesh. He was God himself. You didn't have to go to a location to meet with God because God was there walking among human beings. This was incredible. This is something that had never happened before in history, but now this time had come. This time had come, Jesus said, and it's not about where, it's about who. It's not about a place, it's about a person. And I am that person, Jesus says. So that is why, did you notice... In our core value, we said that we worship Jesus. We worship Jesus. Now, this was a radical thing for Jews because Jews were all about monotheism. One God, love the Lord your God. Okay, it was one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. That's what Deuteronomy 6.4 says. That's what Jews to this day recite daily, sometimes multiple times a day. There's one God. And yet Jesus is saying, I am God. Worship me. What happened? Why is it then that the early Christians, who were all Jews, stopped worshiping on Saturday, the Sabbath, and started worshiping on Sunday? Why? Because that was the day Jesus rose from the dead. It was a radical departure from the the past. Not because there's two gods, but because Jesus is the one true God in human form. You guys tracking with me? So when we say passionate worship, we don't just mean worshiping any god. A lot of people say that, oh yeah, I believe in God. No, 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 we say we believe in the one God who has shown himself to us through Jesus. That's who we worship here passionately. We worship Jesus authentically. And that's going to be the next thing. It's not just about the who, but it's going to be about the how as well. Um, Because uh, I do think Dave Grohl is right. We have to sing. (laughs) We have to give our affection to something, and we should give it to the God of the universe who came down, humbled himself, lowered himself in the form of Jesus Christ. That's who deserves our absolute affection. And we're going to pick up the the story now in verse 23. When Jesus uses this phrase again, he says, Yet a time is coming and has now come. You see that? A time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. See, now there's the whole Trinity involved. I am the Son, Jesus says. You worship me now because the time has come. I am here. You worship the Father by worshiping me. Through the Spirit. Okay, three persons of the Trinity. There's a whole Trinity going on here. If it blows your mind, it should. Okay. Worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. That's going to be an important phrase, and it's going to appear again in verse 24. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So what, in a sense, he's saying is there's true worship and there's false worship. True worship is worshiping the Father through the Son in the Spirit and in truth. This is what the Father seeks. This is what he wants. And in verse 24... 
Jesus says, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. You must worship in the spirit and in truth. So when we talk, use the word authentic, we're describing this concept, worshiping in the spirit and in truth. Worshiping in the spirit and in truth. So when we say authentic, we mean real. Real worship with the real God of the universe through the Son in the spirit. Okay, that's real. But it's also in truth because we base it on God's truth. We don't just sing any song that comes to our head. We base it on God's word. Chase is doing a great job as our, our new worship director, isn't he? Can we give him a round of applause? We, we love Chase, and Chase makes sure that the songs that we're singing are scriptural. They're true. And it's also true to what's going on in our lives, too. So we want to make sure that we're authentic as we worship God. And we want to do it with passion. We want to do it with passion. So it says, in the spirit, because what we do is sometimes these meager little dumb songs. Okay, I had a roommate in college who had the worst voice in the world. You know that guy? Maybe you are that guy. You don't have to raise your hand. And he sang so loud when we went to church together. So loud. He was the loudest person there. Big guy, and he sang so loud, way out of key. And I loved it. And I think God loved it. Because he was being truthful. He was singing passionately to God. He didn't care that he was out of tune, out of key. Because he was singing passionately, loudly. And I loved it. And I think that's what authentic worship is. That's in the spirit because what happens is we, we give these little songs if we're singing or, or we do these things for God and, and when we do them, it's like half as good as the person over there, right? Oh my gosh, I did this for God and someone's like, that's it, right? That's what we humans say, but the Holy Spirit takes those and makes them incredible and brings them to the Father and the Father says, wow, because that's what the Father seeks in truth, giving your best self, giving everything you are to God and when you do that, God accepts it. It's just like your kid when, when McKinley draws a picture. I love it, right? I made this for you, Daddy. Oh, it melts your heart. Who cares if it's just a bunch of scribbles, right? When you go to your kid's trombone solo and you hear that trombone solo and you're cringing, you're going like this. Maybe if I can cover one here because it's a trombone solo. But he did it, and you love it, and you pray. Oh, my gosh, thank you. You did such a great job at the rehearsal today, or at the recital. I mean, you did such a great job. Thank you. Wow, that was amazing. That's what you do for your child, right? Because you're the parent, and our Father in heaven sees what we bring him, whether it's a song, or whether it's by serving someone, taking care of the poor, by giving our money. All of that is worship when we do it for God, and God sees our, our, our meager gifts that we bring to him. Okay, I'm not singing like Chris Tomlin. Okay, I don't sound that good. I don't sing like Lauren Daigle. But you know what? God hears it and he loves it. That's what he seeks because it's in the Spirit. The Spirit takes whatever we have and transforms it into a gift for God. In the Spirit. We worship in the Spirit. But we also worship in truth. We base it on God's truth, the truth, because God hates pretenders. <laughs> Again and again and again. God would even say some things in the Old Testament like, I hate your sacrifices. <laughs> I hate because you're just putting on a show. You're just trying to look good in front of others. That was the biggest thing that Jesus knocked the, the Pharisees for, right? You're just trying to look good in front of others. You go out on the street corner and you have all these tassels and these robes so that you can look very religious and prestigious and righteous. And you say these prayers that have these and thous and all these, you're quoting all these scriptures. But your hearts, they're far from God. 
That was Jesus' biggest criticism of us. And sometimes we can get there because what God really wants is authenticity, who we truly are. He doesn't want us to pretend in front of others. You know, we're, we're going to talk a little bit and we're even going to have a chance to practice here our worship through song. But if you're online, you guys have an extra benefit. Nobody can see you. Okay? And if you're like, well, my spouse can, your spouse already thinks you're crazy. Just embrace it. If you're watching online, you can worship totally freely. Shut the blinds. Sing as loud as you can. Who cares if the, the people above you in the apartment can't hear you? You're worshiping God, right? And you can do that. And if you're here in person, we want to make the same atmosphere here that people can passionately worship God. Passionately. We don't care if we look funny, if we sound funny. We're not wearing the right clothes. None of that matters. What matters is what's true in our hearts, that we are truly and passionately worshiping the Father through the Son in the Spirit. So uh, I just want you guys to see how important this is. Worship in the spirit and in truth. Now some of you, as I talk about this authentic, you're like, well, well, man, I'm not really a singer. Or I, you know, I see people raising their hands. I'm not a hand raiser. Or I, I'm just a sitter. <laughs> okay? If that's who you are authentically, awesome. Worship that way. I'm just going to say that. However, I think most of you are not. And the reason why I don't think you are is because you go to the arena, you go to the football game. And when your team scores, you're on your feet just like everybody else. Your hands are in the air. You're pumping your fists. You're throwing people up in the air. Do you remember that in college? You're throwing people up in the air. You're jumping. You have your shirt off if you're a dude, right? There's something written on it. You're so excited. You're like, I, I just, I'm just not a hand raiser. Uh, no. <laughs> no, that's not true. Okay? Or you're like, I'm just not a singer. Wait uh, until your favorite song comes on the radio, right? Good old Johnny Cash. And you're singing, right? Uh, or, or Taylor Swift. Oh, yeah. Okay. You're singing right along with your... You're belting along in the car. Or you're at the concert. You're going to see Dave Matthews, right? And you're like, yeah, this is my song, right? You get so into it. You're singing the words even if you don't even know the words. Isn't this what we do? Some of you are like, no, 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 I, I, I don't do that. Okay, if you don't, that's fine. But I think most of us do. What is the thing that you have affection for? What is the thing that really gets you excited? And, and enjoy? Maybe it's Scrabble. Okay? If you just love playing Scrabble. Okay? And if that gets you going, you get excited and you're pumping your fist because you won the game. Okay? Whatever is your authentic form of expressing affection, do the same thing for God. That's all I'm saying. Think about that. That moment where you're most joyous. Do that for God. That's authentic worship. Because that's what a relationship is. It should have affection that's growing. Now, I, I married a couple last week, Chad and, and Madison, uh, Chad and Madison Smith now, Mestris, if you remember maidens, uh, Madison's maiden name. And when I did their premarital counseling, I'm sitting with them. They're holding hands, right? They got their arm around each other. They're showing affection to each other. The way they talk to each other. Have you, you know what I'm talking about? Couples about to get married or, or in that honeymoon phase, you know, we talk about. You see them together and you just know they love each other. Why? I mean, it's the verbal and the nonverbal cues, right? If you're married, remember back to those days, even if they were 50 years ago, okay? Remember back to those Oh, yeah, remember that? You just show affection to the people that you love. It's so easy to see that with a couple. And in the same way, we should show that type of affection for the God we love. With the God we love. It, it should be visibly seen. Now, we don't do it to be seen by others, 
but when others see it, they should see what affection is in our hearts. Okay, we're going to get back to that. Hold on to that thought. So if we're supposed to, uh, if by passionate worship, meaning we worship Jesus authentically, we give it two purposes in our core value clause. To glorify God and to captivate the unchurched. The first one I want to talk about, to glorify God, because this is about God, right? We're making much of him. We're saying how great God is. He's incredible. So to glorify God, I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 10.31 with me. We're going to jump to this first. If you're online, you can jump to that first with me. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And that's why we say here on Sundays, it's just rehearsal for the rest of the week. Okay, when you're eating a great steak and you're like, Oh God, this is good. Okay, really mean that. God, this is good. I love this steak. Thank you. Okay, everything we do should bring glory to God. And it can if our heart is towards God. Thank you for this. God, I'm so grateful for that. This is what people do. People cannot help but worship. When you're on that hike, on top of the mountain, people are like, whoa, it's incredible. It's a powerful experience, right? Even people who are not religious, quote unquote, are worshiping in that moment. They see the sunset. Oh, look at that. That's what we do, right? That's worship. That's worship. Okay, but the thing is, who are we worshiping? And what we are saying is we're doing it to glorify God. When we see that sunset, we know that he painted it. When, when we're on the mountain peak, we're so glad that God created this mountain from which we can view his creation below. We are grateful to God. We glorify God. But then the second part of that was that we do it to also captivate the unchurched. I hope this phrase sticks in your craw a little bit. To captivate the unchurched. And we get this from a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14. It's this whole instruction about spiritual gifts and worship but it says but if a man who is not a christian comes to your church meeting while you are all speaking god's word he will understand that he is a sinner by what he hears and then in verse 25 he will get on his knees and worship god he will say for sure god is here with you and that's not the niv i got that mixed up um it's it's actually uh I don't have it written down, but it's a different version. So if you guys are confused, that's not the NIV. But the point is, people are coming into the midst of believers having a worship service. This is happening in the first century. And Paul says they should hear God's word. And when they do it, they realize, hey, I'm a sinner. They fall on their knees. They're worshiping God. Something happens to them, even if they don't believe in God yet. Something has happened. And that's what we mean by captivate the unchurched. Paul, in that section, talks a lot about intelligibility. They have to be able to understand it. So if an unbeliever comes in here, somebody who's far from God, doesn't know anything about Christianity, maybe they grew up in a different faith or in no faith, they come in, they should understand what's going on. We work really hard to make our worship services understandable. It's a simple thing, but it's an important thing. They might think we're weird, but they'll understand why we're weird. Okay? It's intelligible, but it's also passionate. It should be so powerful, the encounter that people have amongst us, or whether they're watching online, you can still have that experience. But it's so powerful that it makes them drop to their knees. I remember a woman who was coming here, brand new to faith, and she says, Matt, why do I keep crying during the music? She asked me that. It's captivating the unchurched. It's something powerful. I remember reading a story years ago in the Washington Post. This woman, as a journalist, went to a very famous pastor's worship services. And she was just going there, kind of recording it, and just like seeing why are people so in love with this guy at one of the biggest churches in America. And she said, I started crying 
every service, and I couldn't stop crying. I was singing the songs, and I don't even believe in God. This is what she was writing in the Washington Post, and I was like, wow, because she was captivated. That's what happens when people experience and encounter the God of the universe who is coming to worship with us through Jesus. It doesn't even matter our location. Jesus said that because it's about who, not where. And Jesus, who is the great God of the universe, who created all things in him, all things were created. He sustains all things. He came down into this planet to live among us, to show us what God is like, and then to die on the cross in your place and forgive you of your sins. And when you realize that, you should fall on your knees. And the affection should just go out of you and you authentically worship the same way you pump your fist when your team scores in the Super Bowl. Because Jesus died in my place. He forgave me of my sins. What an incredible God to give me mercy today when I don't deserve it. We captivate the unchurched by how we worship. So here's a question for you. And remember, we're not doing worship for other people to see it. Okay, that's not what we're doing. We don't have to pretend and like, oh my gosh, I'm the greatest singer. I'm the gr- I look the greatest. I wear the rights. That doesn't matter. But I do have the question for you. If an unbeliever came in here, especially someone who knows you, and they saw you worshiping on a Sunday, would they know that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Would they know that Jesus is the most important thing about your life? Ooh. Would they be able to tell that? By your words and by your actions. I mean, we can do that with a couple we know. We know they love each other by the way they have their arms around it. By their, their, their physical and their verbal. We know that they love each other. Would people know that you love Jesus when they see you worship? I'm just going to leave that question with you guys. Would they know? So, I just uh, hope that this idea of passionate worship really can be infused in our church. Because it will change us as we rehearse on Sundays for what we're going to do the rest of the week so that we don't just glorify God with our lips here, but then we glorify God with our actions and by our lifestyle, by our families, by how we work, and, and, and every do everything else throughout the week. By the way we interact with people at the gym, do we glorify God? But also as we're doing that, it changes us and it changes the people around us too, right? There's an element of mission even to worship. And here's another cool thing. This is another message. But the point of worship, or I'm sorry, the point of mission is for worship. Right, Jimmy? The ultimate goal <laughs> that we send people overseas is so that they will worship God. It's, it's kind of an interesting thing. We worship so that they'll be interested, they'll be captivated, but then we also are doing it so that they will become worshipers. So there's this element of mission in all of it. Now, as I'm talking about passionate worship, that we, we, worship God, we worship Jesus authentically to glorify God and captivate the unchurched, some of you are like, well, Matt, I just don't feel that passion. I don't feel it right now. I used to feel it, but I don't. Like the marriage, right? I used to feel that in year one. We're now at year 35, okay? It's gone. I want to just challenge you. If that's you here, if you're watching online, you're like, I just don't feel that passion anymore, man. I just don't feel I, I don't feel like I can pump my fist, put my hands up in the air. It just doesn't come as naturally as it does when it's my sports team or my band or whatever. This is what I want to challenge you. That I want you to ask God to give him give you his Holy Spirit to help you have that passion again. So it, it's you're asking God, help me to feel that passion again. Help me to find my first love, it says in, in Revelation. Okay, ask God to do that, but also just do it. 
Okay? Some of you are like, well, I don't feel it, so how can I give those actions? How can I raise my hands? Or how can I sing at the top of my lungs when I don't feel it? Just do it anyways. Because that's the same thing with a couple, right? It's like, well, I don't feel affection to her, towards her, so I'm not going to put my arm around her. No, just put your arm around her, and then that affection begins to come. It's kind of like a, a chicken and egg thing, but you've got to start somewhere, right? Do the action, and the feelings follow. If you have the feelings, do the action, okay? And hopefully, as you're doing those things, it will build on each other. You'll start to feel it more, and you'll have those affections, and your actions will express it. And as you express it with your actions, you're going to start to feel it more. You guys trekking with me? I've been amazed when people are like, I've never raised my hand before in church, and when they do it the first time, they're like, wow, I really connected with God. And then, you know, it's almost like, which comes first? Well, God made us to have our body and a soul. They're united together, right? We're not like, there's a spirit over here and then your body over here. No, they're connected. And I think that's why in the Old Testament, and then Jesus reaffirmed that we love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything about you. So if you raise your hand and you're not feeling it, all of a sudden you start to feel it a little more. If you're feeling it, you raise your hand. Because it's everything, right? I'm not just talking about raising your hand, kneeling, close your eyes, whatever it is. That's why I say just be authentic to how you actually show affection in other realms. Okay? This is what we mean by passionate worship. And as the band comes up here, we're going to have a chance to practice a little bit. Okay? I I know there's some people here in in person. There's some people online. If you're online, like I said, shut the blinds. You guys got a great opportunity to sing at the top of your lungs. Stand on your feet so you're not just sitting in your bed watching. I love that you're watching in bed or on the toilet or whatever you are. Okay? But let's get up and do, do some worship together. Okay? If you're in person and you're like, well, Matt, how can I do this with a mask on? You can do it with a mask on, okay? It's going to be all right. Do it with a mask on. In fact, I think it's incredible that we can even do this with masks on. Some people really complain and they're like, oh my gosh, it's not worship. It's, it, you know, it's our government's taking away our rights and all that stuff. I mean, this is like the most minute right of all to be taken away that we have to wear a mask. Because I think of people that I have talked with that have been in communist regimes in China and in the Soviet Union and they had to whisper when they worshiped but they were still worshiping. They had to whisper so that people wouldn't find them and arrest them or kill them. Okay? Now that's some persecution. We should be thankful that we can do it in masks. So that's why even with masks, I want you guys to sing loudly. I want to hear you through those masks. I want you guys to express what is in your heart. And if you don't have it yet, you're not feeling the passion, just, just try it. Raise your hands. Get on your knees, maybe. Close your eyes. And that's what we want to have as a value in our church, passionate worship, so that we worship Jesus authentically to glorify God and captivate the unchurched. And I can just imagine how that's going to transform our lives and the lives of the community around us who need Jesus very badly. Would you guys pray with me? Lord God, I pray that you turn us into a a worshiping church, that we would worship with all we are, with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, Lord God, would you make us a passionate church? And that that passionate would be seen by others, that it would be rubbing off on others, that it would captivate the minds and the hearts, that people would come in there and say, I want that, even if they are far from you. Lord God, you seek people who worship in spirit and truth. Make us those people that you seek. And you sought us so much that you sent your own son after us to live for us and die for us. And right now, we just want to give back a little bit through our mouths as we worship, through our bodies as we worship, and through our lives this week as we worship. Make us passionate as you are passionate for us. In Jesus' name, amen.